and uh, the Hummer couldn't get to Hood River <clears throat> from uh, Mount Hood. So they're taking back roads back to come in on 84, and they're, they're just going to uh, come on home. But how many know recreation is recreation? So you win the whole world and you lose your family. Now, wouldn't that be a winner? Not. So Tom uh, and Shelby are with the boys, and uh, they're having some family time much needed. As uh, we, we have been just, we've been busy. And we're getting busier all the time. Say, I had something awesome happen last night. Uh, my grandkids were in the house, my son Joe and, uh, and Breeze, my daughter-in-law, and, and Joe, uh, God has blessed Joe with the desires of his heart, and he's running cattle and whatnot up north of, uh, of Ritzville, about 45 miles or so, and, and cowboying and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, which, you know, awesome. isn't that amazing how God gives you the desires of your heart? And they're the youth pastors up there um, as well. So my grandkids, they go in with, uh, uh, well, sometimes they go into Spokane. And they go in out to Spokane Valley, uh, to Spokane Valley, one of the large um, AG churches out there. And uh, that's their gold standard. I mean, that church is awesome. That ha- I mean, that rocks. Their, their children's church, I mean, that's it. So last night, they attend here. Now, on a normal weekend, what we run, about 150 kids through there? Pretty close to that on a weekend we have back here, and six, seven hundred people in here on a normal weekend through the three services. So they get in the in the van and they're going home with Joe, back to our place with Joe and Breeze, and they've got a new gold standard. It's the garden, and they said, "Woo, that place rocks. That's far better than that Spokane Valley Church." And hey, as a as a grandfather and part of this church. I was quite pleased. Huh? So I think we ought to give a thank you to Pastor Marilyn and the awesome thing that's going on back there with kids. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> you know, I kind of held my breath for a little while. You know, you've heard stories about uh, pastor's children. Uh, you ought to run into the pastor's grandchildren, and that'll, <laughs> that'll give you new stories there. <coughs> Praise God. All right. <coughs> if you're with us and... <coughs> You have your Bible? Let's stand and let's join together in a very important confession this morning. You need to get this confession in your heart. Amen? Hold that Bible up and say this with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I have an open mind and a teachable spirit. And from this moment forward, I'll never be the same. Say it out loud. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Amen. Now, if you would, please stretch your hands towards me. Please do. I want you to pray for me, and I want you to say this. Holy Ghost, dial amen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Christmas. Pastor Tom had come to me and couple of weeks ago, I guess. He said, I'm doing a series on making room for Christmas. I'll do the first one and the third one, and, and you'll do the middle one. Well, I've been asked to come and speak on different subjects, you know, uh, quite frequently in, in different places. I think that's the first time I had someone come and say, I've, I've, I've got a series. Here's the title, preaching the first and last one, and I want you to preach the middle one. So I waited for about a week for him to bring me the sermon, and... Uh, then realized that's not how this game was going to be played. 
<laughs> Praise God. And it's gone. Well, last night we had a we had a wonderful time in here. In the first service it went a little different direction. But God is good and God is faithful. I had read all of Luke uh out from Luke uh, 1 through through verse 20 and I'm not I'm not going to take the time to read all the way through that. You can read that. I hope I trust this Christmas season you do uh read that. That was a tradition I had with the boys would read uh all through Luke chapter 2. Oh, down to about verse uh, 38. And uh, the boys would sit uh, there and stare at the unwrapped Christmas gifts Christmas morning while I read the story. And uh, uh, later they tell me they did hear some of it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, their mind were, was in other places. <clears throat> Christmas, what an awesome time. What an incredibly awesome time. The infinite God humbles himself, takes on the very form of humanity. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Incredible. Galatians 4.4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent his Son, born of a woman under the law, in the fullness of time. God had set the time. He had prepared all of history from the beginning up until that very time, the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son when He had all of the pieces for that time together for Him to come forth. From Genesis 3:15 on, God begins to prophesy of this coming Messiah. The first prophecy of the virgin birth was in Genesis 3:15, when He said, "He will send this one to you from the seed of the woman." virgin birth. We have the seed of Abraham. We have the seed of this man. We have the seed of that man. And you're the seed of some man yourself. But this one will be of the seed of a woman. No man will be involved. It's going to be a God thing. God, Emmanuel, will come and dwell amongst men. Incredible. In the fullness of time. There was a precise moment ordained from the very beginning when the Messiah would come, descend the starry staircase, enter the womb of a mother, of a woman, a virgin, be born as an infant, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and laid in a feeding trough. You know, if you've ever studied prophecy... Just a few of the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. Uh, that he would be born in Bethlehem. That he'd be called out of Egypt. That he'd be uh, a Nazarene. Uh, just a few of them. They say if you take eight of the major prophecies, and the odds of one person fulfilling just eight of those prophecies, uh, the mathematical odds are, are so huge, the only way to, to bring it to you would be to uh, illustrate it this way. If you took the state of Texas and you covered it in silver dollars two feet deep and you marked one of those coins and you blindfolded a person and turned them loose with one chance to find that one coin would be the odds of one person fulfilling 
just eight of the major prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled all some 300 prophecies so there can be no doubt who the Messiah was. No doubt who Jesus Christ was. No doubt that when he made claim to be very God, equal with God, and when you've seen the Father God, uh, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father God, there's no doubt to his claims. Let, let, let alone all the miracles he did to attest and, and fulfilling prophecies that way. Just, it, it, the, the odds are so huge that he, he was just none other than Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate that day on December 25th. The Eastern Church celebrates that day uh, on December 6th. I touched on this uh, uh, last night, and I got such a response. I, I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to touch on this again uh, today, too. I did it in the first service as well. But, and the reason I did is just because we have so many young uh, believers in here. And I've met so many people who got hung up. Uh, you know, the devil doesn't care which ditch you're in. You know, the left side of the road, the right side of the road, as long as you're in a ditch and not on the road. And I've met so many Christians who have ran into some uh, erroneous teaching uh, that they have more humbug in them than the world does. Hello. Have you ever met some Christians like that? My goodness, they walked in here and saw a Christmas tree, they'd have a cardiac arrest. You know? Uh, it's, and it's a sad thing to see Christmas robbed from Christians. It is. No, I understand the world. You know, and the world try all they might. They're not going to be able to take Christ out of Christmas. I mean, they're not going to shut down uh, Christmas, that's for sure. I mean, the malls are upset about all the snow now because they're losing money. Uh, you know, and the state's not going to shut down Christmas because they like that tax revenue as well. And then I was wondering, you know, about uh, this time of the year down at the uh, ACLU offices when they get their Christmas bonuses. I wonder if those guys refuse to cash those checks. What, what do you think? <laughs> December 25th. Now, I've heard the story. Well, the, the Pope, uh, it was a pagan holiday, and the, and the Pope uh, decided to make it uh, a Christian day. And uh, really, it's, 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 it's all a pagan thing. And, and he couldn't have been born on December 25th and uh, yada, yada, yada. Well, I beg to differ. I don't believe he was born on December 25th. I tend to believe more he was born uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles, late September to, uh, to mid-October. But there's not one Christian doctrine that we have that rests on what day or year he was born. The fact is, he was born. And when Luke says, on this day, on this day, was born unto you a Savior, he means on a certain day, a certain place, at a certain time, a baby was born who was the Messiah, Christ, who entered the world to save humanity from their sins. Now, that's really the issue. However, I want to take just a moment, though, to go over a little bit of history on December 25th, if I could. And remind you, uh, I'm not standing up to the plate to try to hit a home run for December 25th. I just want to point out, for those who say that it absolutely could not have been on December 25th, I think, I think you're wrong. It, it may well could have been. I just choose another day. <laughs> okay, let's go through this a little bit. On 525 A.D., Pope John I asked a Scythian monk named Dennis the Little 
to prepare a calendar for the Western Church. So January 1st, 754 Roman time became A.D. 1. And Christ's birth, Dennis the Little, believed Christ's birth would have occurred one week prior to that, and that would have been December the 25th. Uh, unfortunately, in miscalculating Herod's death, uh, he was off at least four years. So today really would be around 2004 instead of 2008. Okay. So the question is, though, why did Dennis the Little believe that December 25th uh, may have been the day of Christ's birth? Well, the early church father, Hippolytus, who lived from 165 to 235 A.D., believed that that was the date of Christ's birth. Okay? And then Chrysostom, who lived from 343 to 407, agreed with the early church father that December 25th was the date of his birth. So early church fathers, 300 years before Dennis the Little, were looking at December 25th as his birth date. Now, I had an article that... read some time ago by William Teague, who was a professor at, uh, at uh, Muhlenberg College in Pennsylvania, wrote an article called Calculating Christmas for Touchstone uh, Magazine, which is an excellent conservative Christian magazine. And uh, uh, he agrees with me, so it means I may be right, on when the, his birth may have been, but he was just pointing out you know, the possibility. If you say that December 25th just could not have been the date, then he felt you're wrong to, to be that adamant about it. But he says in Calculating Christmas, he says the pagan festival of the birth of the unconquered son, S-U-N, instituted by the Roman emperor Aurelian on December 25th, 274 A.D., was almost certainly an attempt to create a pagan alternative to a date that was already of some significance to Roman Christians. Thus, the pagan origins of Christmas is a myth without historical substance, unquote. One of the early church theologians, and I failed to write his name down, asserted in 320 A.D., we hold this day, December 25th, we hold this day to be holy, not like the pagans because of the birth of the Son, S-U-N, but because of Him who made it. So 205 years before Dennis the Great, it was considered to be a holy day amongst some of our church fathers. So when we celebrate December 25th, whether it be the actual day he was born or not, we, we, we really don't know, but we, we join with over 1,800 years of church history in celebrating December the 25th, okay? So if you're struggling with December 25th, my advice is get over it, okay? Come on and join the party, <laughs> You know, uh, and let's, let's remember what it's really all about. He was born. And this day is the day we have chosen, whatever means and however it came about, you know, 1,800 years ago, it came about to celebrate on that day. Okay? So in Luke, Luke gives a beautiful narrative and account of this. And in verse 1, it says, Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all of the inhabited earth. Now this 
gentleman, Gaius Octavius. Interesting fellow. Brilliant, brilliant leader, actually. Uh, I'd put him on a par with uh, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great had uh, swept through the known world, left behind the Greek language, which God was going to use that language to communicate the gospel. What an awesome language, the Greek language. And communicate that language. Along came Gaius Octavius. And uh, he actually was bequeathed uh, his standing from his uh, great uncle. But he grabbed it and proved to be a brilliant military uh, leader. And he defeated Mark Anthony and Cleopatra at Actium in a very important battle. And after 27 years of war, he had brought all of, all of this area, the inhabited earth, civilized earth, together under the first time under one ruler of that magnitude. And he then took on the title Caesar Augustus of the gods. Caesar of the gods. And Caesar of the gods, when he assumed all this power, he sat on his throne and he said, read my lips, lots of new taxes. So, so the decree went out that everyone should be taxed. Now, all of the inhabited world, civilized world, is now shuffling all about, and Caesar thinking himself so big, thinks that all of this is happening because of the power of his word. But the truth is, all of this is revolving around the womb of a maiden between the ages of 14 to 16 years of age. Because Micah the prophet had prophesied by the Spirit of God some 700 years before that this Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And God has to move a woman in the third trimester some 90 miles up to Bethlehem. And Joseph wasn't the man to be able to do it. I mean, even if he had come and said, now let's, look, hon, if we get a move on now, just think, we could be with all of our relatives home for Christmas. Honest, it's a new donkey. <laughs> It had never been ridden. No, to get a woman of that condition to go where she needs to go, God used Caesar. Caesar of the gods. No, I was thinking about this, you know, uh, last night. You know, in, in his mind, he's so big like so many people that have come and gone through history. You know, big Caesar, and really it was God put him. He was, really, he was little Caesar of the gods. You know, and so today Christ is known around the world, and Little Caesar is just known in some parts of the world for pizza. So just, you know, it's just <clears throat> amazing how God can work those things together. Psalms 2 says, God sits in the heavens and he laughs. Now, he doesn't laugh mockingly. That's not what the word, that's not what the word means. He doesn't laugh in a derisive manner, derisive manner. He chuckles at the affairs of men. Because big, big men, little Caesars, have come and gone, and we have some here today. And they will come and go. And if anything happens, God will use them to accomplish his purpose. Jesus said, I will build my church. 
I will build my church. God had said, I will send my Messiah in. And in the fullness of time, which looked like the worst of times if we had been there, was in God's wisdom the time. And he used an ungodly man to fulfill it. Now he will build his church. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be shake-ups and shake-downs, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and he will continue to build his church. God's purpose will be done. And God will use the affairs of men. I don't know that he ordains everyone to be where they sometimes end up, but he is so wise and powerful that he will still use that to fulfill his purpose. So we know we need just to keep our eye on Jesus as we go into these uh, latter days. I believe we are in a very lateness of hour. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe we need to be like those virgins. Five were wise, five were unwise. And we need to judge ourselves to make certain that we are wise and our lamps are full of oil. Hello? We really need to judge ourselves in that matter. So God... (coughs) Had, uh, had set things up through uh, Augustus, and this decree, have you ever had something happen in your life to where you thought, man, this can't be God, you know? I mean, God has given me a promise, and now all hell has broke loose. I mean, you know, I'm stretched this way. I'm, I'm taken to some direction I really don't want to go. And, he, it, and it may not have been God. It may not have been ordained by God, but he still used it for his purpose and good. And sometimes it was God. In certain situations, we weren't wise enough to get there to fulfill what he had promised. So he did use certain situations, and we fought against it all the way until we got there, and then we praised God. And there's been some things I've been through that I would never want to go through again, but I can honestly say from the depths of my heart, I rejoice that I did go through it because I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't have the maturity, I wouldn't have the fruit in my life if I had not gone through that at the same time. Praise God. You just can't go under for going over for God. You just can't. So they get them there in verse 6, and it says, And it came about while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, they were going back to the house of David, their, their ancestral uh, homeland, so we know there had to have been relatives there. And either relatives got there ahead of them, and there was no room for uh, relatives there, because that normally would be the first place you would go. Or it could have been that Mary, in her condition, would not have been too warmly received by religious relatives. Have you ever had any religious relatives? I mean, if you really got in a jam, got, you know, really got your life knocked up, that is not the place you'd go to be with them. Because when she showed up like that, you know, and the relatives are looking, I mean, it'd be a difficult thing. God did it. Tell them, Joseph. Tell them. The Holy Ghost did it. Yeah, the Holy Ghost did it. It's a difficult thing. But I think, you know, we could take that also as a warning to us. Religion can cause you to miss your time of visitation. 
Religion can cause you to miss your time of visitation. Charismatic renewal is one of the great, great movements in the church. I mean, this, this breath of the Holy Spirit spread through, through non-denominational and non-denominational and every type of churches and, and the gifts of the Spirit suddenly begin to flow in places we never, we never dreamed they would flow. When it began to pour out at Notre Dame and they began to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues, I, I was reading, you know, that Oral Roberts had said, well, that's impossible. That was the thought of almost every Pentecostal. But he did get off the dime and go down and look it over and say, man, this thing's of God. But many didn't. Many didn't. Their, their religious mindedness in that area, they never received what God was doing. Remember, when he says in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock, it preaches really well in evangelistic crusades for sinners, but he is knocking on a church door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And we can become so religious, there's no room for him in the end. And one of the things we are not doing is building a larger facility to accommodate things and there be no room for him in that place. Okay? So we, we all need to guard our hearts in that area. You know, I'm just blown away at Simeon. You know, he had been promised that he wouldn't die before he saw the Messiah. And he's led by the Spirit into the temple. And they've got the baby in there. Now, everybody knew that the Messiah was going to be somebody that was going to come and just stomp the daylights out of Rome and judge those wicked heathen and take over and rule the world in righteousness. And in his second coming, how many know he will come and judge and rule in righteousness? But they missed the first coming of the Messiah who would need to be the sacrificial lamb to atone for the sins of man. Well, Simeon wasn't any different than anybody else. He had to have had preconceived ideas. And he comes in by the Spirit and his mind had to have been boggled. Wow. A baby. And he embraced the baby and began to prophesy the most beautiful things over the baby. Consolation. He had a hope of consolation. Comfort for the oppressed of Israel. Salvation. Salvation for, uh, for release of captives. For mankind. Then the international uh, world uh, remarks about it. Uh, revelation to the Gentiles. Oh, a light is going to come and people are going to have an understanding of God's grace and God's will for their lives and begin to walk in it through this light that is going to come through this baby. Wow. Wow. And then he says to Mary, and a sword will also pierce your soul as well. Boy, little did she know. See, and we tend to just think about that in terms of Calvary and her standing there and watching her son be crucified and knowing in her heart he's done nothing wrong to deserve this and still not understanding who he was yet. None did until he was raised from the dead. And she's standing there watching this and 
all of the things that God had spoken to me. The angel Gabriel himself had come to me, and, and, and this prophet had prophesied, and the prophetess had prophesied, and, and, and the signs and the wonders, and, and now, man, the pain of that would just... But I believe the sword was cutting long before that. When, when they were warned to leave Bethlehem and go to Egypt... And somewhere on that journey, as they journeyed down, either before they got to Egypt or there, word would have came that Herod came and slaughtered the innocents, and every child from two years old down had been murdered by Herod. And, and I think of myself, you know, uh, you couldn't help but think, Lord, in some way, was I responsible for that? I mean, could I have left in a different way and, and prevented that? I, Lord, I'm obeying you, and yet, uh, were, were we responsible? Well, of course they weren't. Sin and hatred and, and Satan using Herod, but still. And then when Jesus is taken to his bar mitzvah, he's 12 years old, and all of the crowds that are in Jerusalem, and as they're leaving to go he is left behind and they don't realize it until they're a day and a half or so out and they realize he's not with it now they have to journey back to get him and the king james says when they found him they came sorrowing it means uh, a, a pain or travail unto childbirth it's a greek the greek language i mean we're talking some very deep mental anguish it would be like if you went to Washington, uh, D.C. Let's say you uh, were able to get tickets and be there for uh, the coming presidential inauguration. And you're there, and you, you're, you celebrate with all the people, and you went with a group of people, and you're on an airplane, and, and you're heading home. And you're flying over Kansas, and you realize, we forgot our 12-year-old child. See? And you've got to go all the way to Los Angeles and then rebook tickets and then fly all the way back. Well, now you're not thinking anymore about all of, the, all of the wonderful people that you had met and celebrated during the inauguration. You're thinking of all the perverts that were there to take advantage of a situation or a 12-year-old child left alone. That's what you'd be thinking of. And you'd have great mental anguish. And that's the kind of things going through their heart and mind. And when they come to him... Most 12-year-olds would jump up and run and into their parents' arms and say, Oh, Mommy and Daddy, you'll thank God you found me. But his response is, Well, don't you realize I must be about my father's business? And a sword begins to cut. The issue of who he really is begins to surface a little more. And their relationship is changing. It's changing. How many of you are aware that when you embrace the baby, he does grow up? Hello. He does grow up. And we have to learn to adjust with each new stage in our walk with him and make adjustments to who he really is as he reveals himself in our lives. You know, when I was uh, just a babe in Christ, oh, 10, 12 months ago. Uh, and every time <laughs> I would uh, shake my little rattle, 
the Lord would come to my crib. And so many wonderful miracles that went on, and I thought I was so spiritual. <laughs> but I was just a little baby, and he had to do those things for me. He had to look after me in that kind of a way. But he doesn't respond that way to me anymore. He expects me now to stand on that word, to confess that word, to appropriate that word, and walk that word out as I understand it in my life. See, you know, as Pastor Tom said, it's wonderful, you know, a baby and giving a baby a bottle, but when you have to part the whiskers to get that bottle in there, it's time to move on. Okay? You know, in, in uh, Chronicles of Narnia, I really like what they say uh, repeatedly, several times anyway, about the lion who represents Christ. And they say, he's not a tame lion. He's not a tame lion. There's more magnificence and power to Jesus Christ than what, than what we will be able to fathom this side of glory. But he is not a tame lion. And though he wouldn't, with one swipe of his paw, this powerful lion could. The Bible says, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh and tabernacled or dwelt among us. The Bible says all things, whether principalities, powers, dominions, kingdoms, whatever, you name it. All things were created through Jesus Christ. Wow. He's not a tame lion. He came as a lamb. He'll return as that lion. And it says... All things are held together by the word of his power. He's not a tame lion. He's Jesus Christ. And then it says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. I believe they were. I like the King James says they were sore afraid. I, you know, I wondered if that didn't mean they shook so bad they were sore for several days following all that. <clears throat> hey, you know, one time, let's throw this in here. I had, I'd had some meetings up at Davenport. Had a fellow come in. He went Sunday through Wednesday. And another fellow come in, went Thursday through Sunday. And uh, their, their, their ministry just went together. And man, we had a move of God. And in fact, the meetings, we continued them on for a while. And we had a, uh, an apartment in the bottom of the church, a two-bedroom apartment with a kitchen and all that. It was, you know, very nice. And so I went and got the brother that was preaching because it, it looked like the Aurora Borealis or something up there. And we were standing out there looking at that. And he said, man, that is unusual. And as we were studying that, there was suddenly an angelic uh, uh, manifestation. And, when, and it happened just like that. And all of us screamed screamed and turned and everybody went a different direction and when it was over we thought well, why in the world did we do that <laughs> it's because it's scary that's why 
It was scary. I mean, it was suddenly, just out of the clear blue sky, there was something of the presence of God and a demonstration of His glory and power that made you want to just fall on the ground in an instant and scream, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, He didn't just show up to show off. I mean, there were a couple of powerful miracles that happened in two of my sons that were there and an ongoing thing in my life as well. So I can kind of relate to when... The Bible says, and these guys were sore afraid. And then after that, the Bible says there's a myriad of angels in the sky. A myriad of angels. The sky is full of angels singing the glory and praises and proclaiming what, a, what an awesome thing has just happened here. An incredible. wonder that you didn't have guys falling over of cardiac arrest all over that pasture out there. An incredible thing. But then he says here, and the Lord suddenly stood before them. The glory of the Lord showed around them about them. And he said, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Great joy. Not happiness. Not happiness. Joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I mean, I'm all for happiness. I love, I love when things are happy and I can be happy, but things are not always happy. You know, if you go out to the mall, you're going to find happy people and unhappy people. You know, happy people that drove through all this snow and they're rewarded and they still had something on the shelf they were looking for and very unhappy people that went through the same snow and they were out of what they were looking for. Happiness, based on happiness. He said a joy. Glad tidings of great joy. The other day, I, I had a box of uh, some photographs I had uh, from uh, Dad, and I was going through them, sorting some things out for my sisters. And, and uh, I lost my son in 99 of 99, suddenly, unexpectedly, tragically. And I'm going through that box, and there's a picture of Aaron when he was just a little guy. I didn't even re remember the picture ever been taken. My guard is completely down. I picked that photograph up. And it's as though I have been slugged in the stomach with a sledgehammer. It hurt. I was not happy. And tears immediately began to come. Just boom. Took my breath away. And then, oh, glad tidings of great joy. Then the joy of the Lord came into my heart. And as David said, he can't come back to me, speaking of his son, but I shall go to be with him. And the reality of that promise, the reality of that uh, it came into my heart, and the salvation I have through Christ is so real that his promises are just as real, and I know one day I will go and I will be with him. Praise God. Uh, and I know he's in a far better place. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. You're going to have a lot of things happen in this life that are not going to make you happy. But he came to bring you great joy through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Savior. A Savior. He came to save the world from their sins. We need to keep that in mind. He came as a babe. You know, one of the things they say is, 
Well, he couldn't have been born on December 25th because they never had sheep out that time of the year. Well, they've obviously never been to Bethlehem that time of the year because sheep are found in Bethlehem that time of the year. And especially the temple sheep because those sheep were bred to to be offered in the temple as a sacrifice. And the temple shepherds had sheep around Bethlehem year-round. So it would only be something, wouldn't it, <clears throat> that when, when he comes to these, these shepherds, and you know we got these shepherds all romanticized and everything, but the truth is, <clears throat> under Roman law, they couldn't testify in court. You couldn't trust them. Couldn't trust a word they said. And, and if they were in your neighborhood, they had a real hard time uh, remembering what is uh, mine and what's yours. And, <clears throat> and then they were unclean under Levitical law. Huh. And then in, during Jesus' ministry, he said, the last shall be. So he comes to these guys that would be considered the last and least and most unlikely. And who first comes but the temple shepherds who are raising lambs to, you know, they inspect them to make sure they get the one without spot or blemish into the temple to be sacrificed. So, wow, who else but to come and inspect the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the earth? Glory be to God. Now, it says in Romans 9, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And then in Hebrews, in Hebrews 9, in Hebrews 10 it says, but, but the blood of animals can't remove any sin. Oh, there's a dilemma here. I mean, we've been killing all these, all these animals, you know, for generations, and the priests never sat down because they were never finished. And we're killing all of these animals, and they won't remove sin, but they do cover sin. And it's all pointing to one who will come, who will offer himself for sin. And so when Jesus Christ arrives... John the Baptist points at him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Doesn't cover them, takes them away. Takes them away. You know, the Bible says he takes our sins and he removes them from us as far as the east is from the west. Now, as long as I'm going east, how far do I have to go before I run into west? Forever. You never will. Now, the accuser of the brethren may remind you of your sins. You may remind yourself of your sins. But you, you will never find God bringing up any sin you've been forgiven of. And the Bible says he will take those sins and he will put them in the sea of his forgetfulness where he cannot, not will not, cannot remember them ever again. Wow! Now, he didn't just not only do that, but then he created a new nature in us because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new species that never existed before. So the sin nature is gone. Did, I didn't say you could never sin, but, but you've been ruined as far as the love of sin. That's why when you do things you used to do before, now, oh, you're grieved in heart and you repent. There's a new nature in you. There's a new name been written down in glory, and it's yours. You're a new person. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. How? Through the miracle birth of Jesus Christ 
in your heart. See, Christmas isn't one day a year. Christmas is a lifetime of making room for Jesus Christ. You see, for those of you that are, are, are just beginning this walk, it's a precious life in Christ. It's a precious life in Christ. But it's a disciplined life. And as we grow in the disciplines that he reveals to us, that is what produces the manifested victory and the increasing joy that we experience in our lives. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for Christmas. Thank you, Jesus, for Christmas. And as I let you go in just a moment, I want to say something to you. There are far more gifts available to you than what you know. I've been around this, you know, a long time. And I'm beginning to realize I have not even begun to unwrap everything. If I will just obey whatever he saith unto you, do it. If I will obey the Lord, there is continually another special thing around every corner. So Simeon had been said, been told you won't die until you see the Messiah. Sees the babe, wow, he's so in the spirit, he doesn't hesitate, he discerns what's going on, prophesies over the baby, and then he says, okay, Lord, I can depart in peace now. I have seen the promise. I have seen the promise. I want to close with a question for you this morning. If something were to happen to you today, could you depart in peace? The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Your, your promise of salvation is while you're alive. If something were to happen to you today, God forbid, but could you leave this earth in peace? Do you have an assurance in your heart of the salvation provided through Jesus Christ. Let's all bow our heads for just a moment. I'm going to ask it again here. If that question caused you to pause for just a moment, then definitely that question is for you this morning. And if you really need to know for certainty that peace, then I want you just to raise your hand. There's someone here this morning, you say, I really need to know that kind of peace. That I can depart this earth in peace between God and myself. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. 
I repent of my transgressions and I open my heart to you. There's room in my heart for you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your peace and thank you for your love and thank you that today I have tasted of the goodness of the Lord and I am assured afresh of my salvation in Jesus' name. Now listen, if, you, if you've raised your hand and you've, you've, you've not prayed with anyone in here before in regards to this, or, or if you have before, I'll give you done a hundred times really, we have people in the side that will pray with you. Not just about you raising your hand in that area, but with anything, people who desire to pray with you. This is not a walk that you can walk alone. I wouldn't be here today but for the people that God has sent in my life over the years. I thank God for people who mentored me uh, many years ago. Thank God for the friends I have today. We need one another, and you will need others as well. So I encourage you, if there's a need, you need to just join with somebody to agree with you or uh, whatever it may be. We have people who would love to pray with you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let me say I appreciate so much you coming out and braving the weather and being with us. <laughs> Drive careful as you go home, and uh, hopefully we'll see you Christmas Eve for our Christmas Eve service. And if you can't be here, God bless you, and Merry Christmas to one and all. Amen. Let's give the Lord...